With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Focused on the facts. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It is so good to have you with us. Prue McSween will join us very, very shortly, and she has plenty to say in her first segment back after a New Year break. We'll also catch up with Alex Zaha Rothroyd. He's back from Las Vegas. We'll talk all things cyber and technology. And Natalia Ilushina will join us too, the economist from RMIT, to discuss artificial intelligence. But Here's something interesting. I mentioned on the program yesterday that the Prime Minister of Britain, Rishi Sunak, is in all sorts of drama, but primarily about his inability to come up with a tough illegal immigration program and an immigration program that doesn't allow illegals to cross the border as easy as they're doing at the moment in the UK. Well, Now he's had some of his own turn against him. He can't take a trick, this bloke. Rishi Sunak, after coming back from uh, Kiev, suffered the biggest rebellion of his premiership on Tuesday as 60, 60 Conservative MPs revolted by voting to toughen up his flagship Rwanda bill. Lee Anderson and Brendan Clark-Smith both quit as Tory deputy chairman to vote for the amendments and a parliamentary aide to Kemi Badenoch the British Secretary resigned. Big day. The crunch vote was on the overall legislation is expected on Wednesday evening, with at least 15 Tories threatening to vote down the bill in its entirety and many more considering their positions. What a mess. Leading rebels have urged Downing Street to acknowledge the strength of support and accept amendments that would make it easier to deport asylum seekers. And this is what the polls are saying. The majority of Brits want illegal economic asylum seekers to be deported. They are using the laws to better themselves. Now, number 10 was holding firm on Tuesday evening, challenging the rebels to provide legal proof to back up their claim that their proposed changes would not breach international law and cause Rwanda to pull out of the scheme. And already a first draft of the Rwanda bill was knocked back by the Supreme Court in Britain. So as you can see, Rishi Sunak can't win no matter which way he turns. And in an extraordinary find that has baffled egg consumers worldwide. A fellow by the name of Fabian Fabro, a farmer from the New South Wales North Coast, stumbled upon an egg that is as close to a perfect sphere as nature could possibly allow. Among the sea of shells produced by the 2,500 hens at his Woodland Valley farm, this one egg stood out like a pearl in a pile of stones. Can you believe this? Over the past five years, Fabro's hens have laid over a million eggs. Yet this is the first one of that million to challenge the norm with its peculiar roundness. It is perfectly round. It's got a flawless shell. Uh, The egg was not put up for sale, as you could imagine. Instead, They examined it meticulously. The results were surprising. The egg was only a couple of millimetres shy of being geometrically perfect. How does that happen? 
If you know the answer to that and you're an egg farmer, I'd love to hear from you right now from the United States or Canada. 1-888-201-6425. From the UK, 033-0024-1026. It's just gone 5am. You egg farmers are up out of bed now. Give me a call from London and from Australia or New Zealand. 1-800-670-310. This is Chris Smith on TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, she's the founder and director at Verve Communications in Australia, former TV radio host, former news reporter, former television star of Celebrity Apprentice as well. Prue McSween, Happy New Year to you. You too, Smithy. I like the face hair, I think. I'm working on it. But I'm actually more (laughs) wincing about that state of that hen's backside. Can you imagine (laughs) having to cut out that spherical egg? It just makes me wince. (laughs) Well, maybe the answer to the totally spherical egg is the fact that the backside of the hen is also, how do I describe it? Anally round? Well, could have been, could have been. I'm not going to go and inspect it. All I can do is, as a woman, feel very sad for it. Yes. I don't know where it could come from. Who knows? Um, Now, the polls had Donald Trump in a better position than he was in before when he had his two previous election campaigns. But, but was there a gap between what the polls were telling us and what the real ballot would show. We've seen so many errors in recent polls in continents right across the world in about the last decade. No one was sure about that except when he went to Iowa. And that poll, that ballot was consistent with what the polls were saying. Can you stop this Trump train from here, Prue? Absolutely not, Smithy. It's gone and left the station. It's almost at its destination now. And is there any surprise? Because while we all know how flawed he is, I think we're seeing it around the world. People are waking up. They're sick of weak leaders, people who promise the world, deliver the opposite when they get in, like these blokes who woo you to get you into bed and then the next morning, what's your name again? You know, it's that kind of a thing. And sadly, people are onto it. They really understand that, you know, you've got this idiot, this buffoon Biden who, you know, is should not be in any anywhere near a nuclear button for a start, let alone running, a, you know, the world's biggest powerhouse economy. And you just have to worry that, you know, I think people have are fed up with the way the Democrats have played this as well. They're sick of the way that they have, you know, used, um, you know, the law against for political purposes. Yes. And I just feel they feel that, you know, this man has lost touch and at least Trump will get things done. You know, he's already talked. I mean, his victory speech last night virtually was, you know, we're going to protect the borders. We're going to stop, you know, people just uh, flooding in. We're going to, you know, um, slash taxes. All the things that he said that are resonating and music to people's ears. And that's what we need, powerful, strong people of conviction who are leading us and not these namby-pambies. And that's why, you know, I think also people are sick of the left, the the people who wear their hearts on their sleeves and want to, are quite happy to sacrifice the workers, the hard workers, 
And, you know, say, well, no, we shouldn't be worrying about feeding our kids at home. Let's feed the world. You know, we'll bugger that. Our priority is to feed our kids. And I think that the voters around the world are actually waking up to that and prioritising it because altruism is a wonderful thing. But when it comes to deciding whether you can keep a roof over your head, uh, you know, all that you keep your job, then sorry, that goes out the window. And that's what's happening. I think there's a stack of truth with what you have just said, mm-hmm. uh, which will see Trump take hold as president. Now, I know it's 10 months out or nine and three quarter months out, but that's what it's looking at, looking like from here. Now, Australia's Foreign Minister Penny Wong is in the Middle East, Israel, and she's gone to parts of Gaza, I see. Her first missive was about how destroyed the Gaza Strip is now. Uh, no inspecting any of the massacre sites in Israel where this war was triggered. It's a pretty poor showing, isn't it? It is. You know, she's shamed into it. I mean, pressure got to the point where I think she was the only foreign minister. We were the only country that hadn't gone over there uh, to show support because obviously they're not going to be able to do anything, but it's to actually, it's all about the optics and the fact that the people of Israel needed that kind of global, you know, support and 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 I just feel what is worrying me even more now is that she's gone over with a glad bag of goodies of 21 million bucks which is supposed to be for humanitarian aid we all know that the aid that has been going into Gaza has been hijacked by Hamas very yeah. little is getting to the people how can we as tax paying Australians be guaranteed that our money is not going to be helping these terrorists do more uh mayhem create more mayhem in gaza and deprive the people she's also giving some to lebanon and uh, uh i think jordan as well or, uh, and you just sort of think don't go over there as santa claus we need the money here how are you guaranteeing to us that this is going to get to the people of gaza and and we again it's all about optics because she's playing to the constituents at home it's yes. why labor is talking from both sides of its mouth they they don't like the fact that anti-semitism is really rearing its head they're partly to brain, blame in this country because they were so slow in calling it out because they were worried about the Muslim votes. Mm. And it's just disgraceful when you think about the fact that she's gone over there so many months late and we still have a namby-pamby Labor government that's more worried about their own backside and not about protecting this country from anti-Semitism and, and and joining the global movement that says this is not on, this is not right. And I just I just despair with this government. I cannot respect them in any way because it's all about helping themselves. Every decision they make is all about is there a vote in it? It's never about their responsibility as a democratic government. Let's talk about this Bayside Council in Sydney, and no matter where you're watching or listening from right now, anywhere in the world, this will make you shake your head. We've got a classic example of when local yokel councillors think they're somehow international diplomats or wish they were. This Bayside Council just south of Sydney has a sister city agreement with Hezbollah. Now, not Lebanon, but Hezbollah, am I reading this wrong or, or are they just a wretched bunch of traders? I'm sure they are. You know, but the point is, again, 
It's a council. It's a, a, an elected body playing to their constituents, and they have a huge constituency yes. of people from Hezbollah. I left that, that out. That's important for those outside of the country to understand where Bayside is situated. They do have a lot of Arab uh, voters and constituents, yes. problem is that, you know, we do have the power. The foreign minister has the power to do an audit and to decide whether they need to cancel arrangements that councils have with these various various um, movements. And you look at this and you know that Wong will not do that because, again, it's all about the Muslim vote. And we had apparently in 2003, um, Hezbollah's military wing was listed as a, a terrorist organisation by Howard, John Howard, mm. and then Morrison in 2021 made the whole area uh, in its entirety um, listed as a terrorist organisation. But this is conveniently ignored by this council. And aren't we sick of councils you know, who are like leeches. They just grab on to whatever they can. They suck on anything that they think could get them uh, some sort of... Well, voted back in. Voted yeah, back voted in is what they in. want. They're pumping up their own tyres. You know, yeah. they're leeches who just want to... They've all got an eye on trying to get better into in politics, bigger politics, whether yeah. it be in state or federal, yeah. and they think, this is my way, I'll stick my head up above the parapet and see if I get noticed. They don't give a stuff about yeah. whether it's, it's something foul. that they should be doing. Stick to roads, rubbish and, you know, potholes, and, of course, they're never going to do any of that because they much prefer to walk around thumping their, uh, their chest and saying how big a bad bloke or a woman I am. Yeah, and it's if they've got if they've got constituents that still think it's okay to support terror groups, they should show leadership and indicate to those constituents that that is not on in this new country exactly. of theirs. Hundred percent. Let's take a quick break. Back with you in a second, Prue on TNT. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The Who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics. And whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help the population. Populations. We start with the history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic, eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, but I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk TNT. The Lights is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. <laughs> No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Are you sitting comfortably? Oh yes, yes. Then I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking. 
Talking the Talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I've got Prue McSween with me now in her first segment for 2024. Um, just on the economy, the Australian economy, Prue, um, many are saying that we're facing an economic crisis. Manufacturing businesses are going bust. Jobs are now being lost. We're starting to see uh, an expectation that that will creep up. Cost of living is lowering our living standards. Interest rate rises have seen family homes forced to be sold. And what has the government done about undoing the damage? I cannot see a single thing. Done, Smithy, is talk. It's just their emissions are creating more problems for the world than, you know, the 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 coal and whatever else that we're, you know, contributing and the agriculture. Uh, the thing is that this is supposed to be the party of the workers. What they don't understand is they should be the party of the bosses, the companies who are providing the jobs for the workers because workers don't have jobs without the, the capacity of, of businesses to run and to pay yeah. them. Yeah. And we have this situation now where, you know, they've lost 3,000 companies. There's 3,000 insolvencies, twice the COVID level, and that's a year. And when you think of the number of people and there's more being slated that are going to be out of work, and it's all because, obviously, the interest rates are killing them. It's the new IR laws where, you know, even mums and dad businesses of eight staff, you know, anyone can appoint themselves as a union rep and then they have to pay all sorts of penalties. As a small business operator that I am, you know, the red and green tape, it kills you. The tax I have to pay, you know, it's just why would you employ anyone? And then you've got to navigate the IR rules. It's just and the worst thing, of course, is the higher energy prices, which is just killing everyone, not just yeah. at home, but in business. And it's going to get worse. While Bowen, this fool of a climate minister, continues this dream, which is sending us over an economic cliff, we are going to be in so much strife. And in fact, if we think the job losses are bad now, God help us. It's going to be three times worse. This country is in such a bad way. And I think the great thing is that people are waking up. It's more that people say, why aren't we looking at nuclear? They haven't bought the lies of Bowen that it's cheap and more expensive mm. than, you know, renewables. Because as you said earlier in the show, it's all the other costs that are never enunciated about setting up no. uh, for renewables. And the world is is laughing at us. They're all going nuclear way, yet yeah. we are still being persistent and we're sitting on all this, these commodities, these resources that we could be making a fortune out of, and we are, and that's why we've got a bloody surplus, but it's not going to continue. And, you know, we are just going to be paupers. We're going to be third world serfs in this world because because of the fact that we have a government that is so stupid, blinkered and obsessed with you, fantasy. You, you mentioned at the start of that answer that we're being told mistruths, or that was what your intention was. Well, it's funny you say that because the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, has been caught out by his own economic BS. He posted on X that, New Treasury analysis shows that wages are growing faster under Labor than they have in nearly 15 years and lowest paid workers are receiving the biggest boost. 
wrong. The fact-checking gods at the ABC, who I've never liked, but anyway, in this case, they've caught him out, corrected the post, stating wages have been outpaced by inflation. After being adjusted for inflation, wages are down 7% from their peak, sprung. Please, Methiam, you don't even have to look at statistics. You just ask any worker how they feel. You know, we're all taking, I haven't had a pay rise and I pay myself, but I can't afford to give myself a pay rise and haven't for a few years. And I know most people haven't got pay rises unless you're in a a union mates uh, sector where, of course, you you are going to be looked uh, looked after. But, of course, what's going to happen is that the employers won't be able to employ as many people. You know, the stupidity, they don't actually understand Economics 101. No, they cut off their nose despite their face these people exactly. don't they they do and and of course we're seeing on the wharves now more and more companies are going to go under because the bloody maritime union is so bloody minded yeah, and exactly. you know we're having it across the board this country under labor is stuffed and we i don't think people understand other than the workers who they don't represent um are, are realizing that you know that life has never been tougher we're going backwards. Yeah, we're going backwards big time and fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the expensive green evangelism, which will do nothing to change the temperature of the planet, if that is the intention. The Greens in Gucci, otherwise known as the Teals, want a 75% cut to emissions by 2035. And don't tell me that the Labor Light New South Wales Coalition wants to fall into line with them, do they? thing smithy you know they have mark speakman who for those who don't know he's the well i think he's the interim opposition leader he's so left and you know he's in the wrong party clearly well he he has got together with the nationals leader who i do like dougal saunders and for some reason they have decided to pursue this ridiculous target of 2035 you know and you just but and then other states are now doing it so we've got queensland and victoria they're just farcical. And you know, virtue I, signaling, prove t- virtue signaling. But I don't think, you know, how governments are always so far behind what we're all thinking, and they suddenly, I don't think they've caught the the idea that we are all on another bus now. Yeah, we yeah. are very pro-nuclear. People are at least prepared to consider it. And we all are thinking that renewables, this whole emissions thing, for the piddling amount of emissions that Australia contributes anyway to the world, yeah, why yeah. are we doing it? Exactly. I think the might get a bit of a shock because, you know, while they're in these seats of the doctor's wives and, you know, all the people who are quite wealthy and aren't maybe feeling, you know, the fact that their electricity bill has doubled, but I still think they may find that they're not going to get the votes that they used to have. And if Dutton, the opposition leader, has any idea about, you know, where he should be going, he should be pro-nuclear and he should be going after the workers in the western suburbs, the people, the families, middle Australia, who are really hurting and are browned off about this green emissions crap. I think that that is good advice, and I do hope that Dutton is getting advice from the right people. Now, one last point. It's a classic case of not in my backyard, this thing. Um, Allianz Stadium, which is a brand new stadium in Sydney's eastern suburbs, for those who don't know it, many of us have been there a thousand times, um, will be allowed to host up to 20 concerts a year from now on, 
after the state government decided to ditch the cap of four. I can't believe it had a cap of four. I was told by those at the trust about 12 months ago that they could only hold four concerts. And I thought to myself, talk about, you know, being run by local local residences. But now some of the Paddington darlings are upset by this. They're whinging about how the bands who'll perform there now will terrorise them. Well, it's a little bit like setting yourself up next to the airport, Prue, isn't it? It's with you. Why buy there? You knew this thing was there. This stadium has been there for years. Why did you buy there? It's like people who buy at Luna Park and then complain about the noise of the yes. ride. You know, give me a break. You're bloody wankers. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, move if you don't want it. But I'm so glad that this government, Labor government, means to be fair to him, has actually told them to shove it where the sun don't shine. Good on Mins for doing so. I, I agree. But the only other thing I'm, I have got to beef with him about is that we need to be able to park on the grass there. It's so bloody ridiculous that people, particularly people from the suburbs where they have to use private transport, they have to use their cars to get there because we haven't got a good enough system, mm. public transport system, they need to be able to park there and park there free. So, you know, again, they were listening to the bloody whinges at the Centennial Parklands Trust, et cetera. Yes, yes. But goodness sake, get real. Make sure that we become, we're losing to Melbourne. We know Victoria is the events capital of Australia because we are so pathetic in pitching for events. We haven't got venues even with bloody roofs on them. I mean, we're so far behind. We're a bunch of amateurs in New South Wales. And it started with Bob Carr when the, after the Olympics when we were supposed to become the event capital of Australia and nothing was done. They sat on their hands. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. This is a bit of common sense. We should be thankful for it and we should just ignore those whingers and those nimbies who probably should have made a different decision when they bought into the area. Fantastic to have you on board. I'm looking forward to the year ahead. You speak such great common sense. I've got people on the chat box saying, I liked her when she was at 2UE and she speaks her mind. Thank you, Elena, for those comments and a few others as well. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Smithy. Take care. Bye, everyone. Good on you. Director and founder at Verve Communications in Australia. Prue McSween. Got to get you some news. We'll come back after that. And by all means, if you've got a question about AI today, jump on our talkback lines because you've got a chance today. We're delving into it rather deeply with the help of economist uh, Natalia Ilushina uh, and Alexar Harofroy. That's coming up in the program in the next half hour. Don't miss the opportunity. This is TNT. <laughs> TNT Radio News. Get the news. <laughs> News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. US Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene has held an independent hearing examining the injuries and deaths caused by experimental COVID-19 vaccines. The deadly mRNA shots have also been linked to a surge in excess deaths and serious cardiac events in the UK. And Russian President Vladimir Putin has met with North Korea's foreign minister in Moscow as the two countries move to boost bilateral ties. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 
365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Yeah, good to have your company. A huge cyber and technology segment today and a chance for you to ask some questions. But first, let's uh, reintroduce to the program from techadvice.life. He was lounging in technological heaven this time last week in Las Vegas. He sounded a little bit croaky. I wondered whether it was the dreaded COVID-19. Let's bring him in right now. Alex Zaharoff-Royt, welcome. G'day, Chris. Great to be here. Now, was it COVID-19 or was it just the lurgy? Apparently, it was COVID. I didn't feel like I had COVID. It felt just like a normal cough. I was surprised to see on the uh, little Binax test, as it was called in uh, CES, they were giving these tests out, that I did actually have COVID. I mean, I tried a, a test I had from Australia. It didn't come up with anything. When I've come back to Australia, you can now buy these tests that test for both COVID and separately flu A and flu B. And it said it said COVID. But, you know, I was taking Dr. Thomas Brody's. I was inspired by his protocol of having ivermectin, vitamin D, uh, the zinc. Uh, zinc. Yep, zinc and lots of, and potassium and lots of other little bits and pieces, magnesium, vitamin C. And, you know, although I had a, um, a cough and every now and then I still want to cough a little bit, uh, the uh, I seem to have sailed through. So I think the ivermectin did the trick. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned Thomas Barodi. That triple therapy he has, which involves ivermectin, but it involves zinc and another drug as well. Um, don't worry. It's going to come on the market in the not too distant future Fantastic. because it has been proven in various trials to be very, very effective. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Did you enjoy your first CES? Uh, well, it was the third time I've been there. And third the time, second, right. Yeah, the second time I was there was in the, the height of the pandemic. So it was in January 2022. And never before were the queues to get in so easy. There were, you know, there were hardly any people there. I mean, LG, for example, had a massive stand. And in the end, they uh, and a lot of other companies decided it was too, you know, too risky. And so their stand was just uh, these little wooden plinths with with QR codes, which um, right. <laughs> so you had to sort of give yourself a bit of a tour. But this time we were back to the pre-COVID levels of CES. It was jam packed. I mean, everybody was everywhere. With long queues to get into different places. In the morning, on the very first day, they were letting all the exhibitors through. And uh, the, 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 the journalists and all of the attendees were sort of getting frustrated at 9.59, like, are they going to open this? Uh, but look, once it all opened, everyone was friendly and happy. And it was an incredible show. And look, the only, the only uh, sad thing is that four days just isn't enough. And when you uh, have sponsors and you have to look at their stands, and of course, you want to see what it is that they're showcasing, um, then, you know, you, you just basically run out of time. There's enough time to see it all. And thank goodness so many other journalists go there because you can see what they think uh, with some of the top products and services. But look, I still managed to see a whole stack and it was heaven. It was absolutely wonderful. Now, one of your uh, terrific sponsors was Samsung. We thank them for contributing to your trip over there. A huge release and unveiling tomorrow in Australia, right? Yes. Well, it's going to happen in San Jose. 
at uh, 10 a.m. on the 17th. But for us in Australia, at least on the East Coast in Sydney, that will be 5 a.m. January the 18th, so Thursday morning. So it's a shame, actually, our show's not on tomorrow, but it doesn't matter. We'll talk about it next week. But look, if you go to my website, you'll see that I've got some uh, some sort of sneak peek information there that other people have leaked. I mean, uh, the the nothing can be official until they announce it tomorrow, but we know that it's going to be full of AI goodness, things like being able to edit photographs very easily, like we saw with the Google Pixel and the Magic Eraser and the ability to resize things, the live translation feature where you're having a conversation with somebody over the phone that was leaked as well, where you're talking in one language and then translates it immediately. They speak, you hear the translation, and you're having a conversation. There's no extra apps required. Obviously, we have uh, improved cameras, and the brains of the uh, chip uh, of the smartphone is is the Snapdragon uh gen 3 8 gen 3 so that is the version that is designed specifically for ai and of course samsung has a special samsung edition so they've done done a special deal with qualcomm to get an even better version of this chip so it doesn't matter whether you get the s24 the s24 plus or the s24 ultra the ultra is the one with the multiple cameras and and the stylus but they will all have the same ai feature set and again, uh, I always recommend people watch the keynote. It's going to be a stunningly good keynote. You don't have to be up at five in the morning. It'll be on replay. Everyone will be talking about it. We'll be talking about it this time next week, but it's going to be their best smartphone yet, and I cannot wait to try it. All right. Now, we've got some stats, which is really fascinating to read. Stats on podcasts come out today. They have. Now, the, the Commercial Radio Association has uh, t- spoken about this morning about how in Australia there were 1.03 billion podcasts downloaded by Australians in 2023. And uh, the top five podcasts were getting anywhere from half a million monthly listeners to about 800 and something thousand. So these figures are much smaller than that you would have in the US, for example, but yeah. for Australia, they're, they're quite huge. Uh, they're, a lot, the, they're a lot bigger than what I remember reviewing about two years ago. Yes, yes. The figures have gone up by about 10% each year. So it's grown and grown and grown. I mean, it's very normal these days for people to use their smartphones to be able to listen on demand. And uh, the old problem with uh, commercial terrestrial radio used to be that if you're in the car listening and you had to get out of the car to pay for the petrol or pick up the kids or do something, you know, unless you carried around a little pocket radio with you, which, of course, some people did. We had the Walkmans and all the rest, but Mm. it wasn't really something that you did. And so you missed out on things. But with podcasts, of course, you can pause it. You can hit play again. You can come back the next day. uh, And, uh, you know, people are very, very comfortable with listening to podcasts. And so uh, they're talking about 2.8 million podcasts downloaded every day. That's, of course, across the, the entire uh, Australian radio industry, which includes all the AM and FM. Now, globally, uh, this uh, we still have Joe Rogan as the number one podcaster worldwide, 11 million listeners per episode. Wow. Uh, we've got 17% of podcast hosts recording their episodes in both audio and video. So video, of course, we're doing video now on TNT Radio. It's hugely popular. There were uh, 50,000 video podcasts last year, according to the podcast uh, index, more than uh, growing from 39,000 the previous year. But in this, in the um, the US, they have 480 million podcast listeners. Around one in five, or 20 percent of the internet users, listen to podcasts. There are over five million podcasts globally, with about 70 million episodes between them, uh, and uh, almost half of those are, li- are listening in Sweden. Australia is number four on the list. The Commercial Radio Association tried to say that we're number one in terms of listenership, but according to uh, the global stats, it's the US, Sweden, Norway, and then Australia is number four. 
the um, there are over 100 million US podcast listeners. The average American tunes into eight podcasts per week. Uh, Spotify and Apple uh, have over 60 million combined US-based podcast listeners, and half of US 12 to 34-year-olds listen to podcasts. So it's great news for TNT. We celebrated over 10 million of our podcasts last year. No doubt that figure has grown a lot since then, and it's only getting stronger and more convenient to just tune in whether you're listening or watching whenever you the, the desire strikes yeah absolutely you can understand why that form of technology is taking off and increasing each year now d-link has launched a new home wi-fi mesh router yes now this is one that's using ai and in fact it won a, a red dot award because it has a very cool kind of rounded uh, antenna array at the top. So it looks very striking, very different to what you've seen before. It's called the Aquila Pro. Now, Aquila is the Latin word for eagle. And uh, this particular uh, device uses AI to, to, to you know, really stretch the signal all around the home as, in a, as strong a manner as possible. And we haven't had, I mean, we've had attempts, I guess, at this before, but this is, you know, billed as an AI-enhanced Wi-Fi router, and it, of course, it's a mesh router. So what this means is that you either have a two-pack or a three-pack. The three-pack can uh, reach up to an 850-square-meter home, so, you know, big home. And wow. it can um, get all of the, the Wi-Fi signals to, to mesh together and be really strong, so no dead spots in your home. And, of course, these days you, all can, you set it up very easily. It's controlled via your app. And uh, we're going to see more of these sorts of AI routers from other players, but D-Link's the first one that I've seen that's, that's really talking about this AI. And uh, it's it's a talking piece. I mean, again, it looks as though it's got this rounded. It's I mean, I remember there was a Netgear one that looked a bit like a TIE fighter, you know, from Star Wars. That's this right. one is sort of a more rounded version of that. Yeah. I mean, the original ones had these antennas sticking up everywhere, but now they just have this much more refined design. And, uh, you know, if you haven't upgraded your router in some time, uh, and you've got black spots, dead spots in the home, get one of these mesh routers. They're easy to set up, and they really make a big difference. And if you've got multiple devices, uploading, downloading, backing up to the clouds, sharing your photos, uh, you've got multiple TVs, you need a new router. Now, tell us about these dual-screen laptops you cited at CES. Sure. Well, look, if you think of a normal laptop, you've got the keyboard at the at the bottom, you've got the screen at the top. But imagine if you had a screen here and a screen here, yeah. and then so a screen at the top, screen at the bottom, and then a detachable keyboard that can either sit on top of the bottom screen where the keyboard would normally be, or you can lift it off the screen, and then you can prop the uh, the two screens up. They normally come with a, a stand, either that is clips on or it's built in, and you can just slide it out. And then so you've got the, the main screen you'd look at and another screen above. And so you've got this dual laptop, dual screen design, and this has a hinge. Now, Asus, for example, had one last year. It was one giant 17-inch display where the screen folded in the middle, the actual screen folded in half. But that costs more money. It's a bit impractical. So these new ones, it's two distinct screens with a hinge like your laptop would be, but as of course, the second you know, bottom of part of the laptop is a screen as well. And it's just going to be the way to have multiple screens in, on, in a mobile way. It's most likely going to be a lot of people's next laptop. I mean, yes, they do cost more than, than the traditional ones, but you know, both Lenovo and Asus are doing it. Uh, you'll see them. They're very impressive looking. You can hold it like a book as well or a magazine, and then you can flick through because it's a touch screen. They have stylus support. And, uh, you know, there was also a laptop from Lenovo that had a detachable screen, 
So it's, you know, you detach the screen like you would with some of those two-in-one laptops. But when the screen detached, I mean, when it's con connected, it's a full Windows device. But when you detach the screen, the screen becomes an advanced a, uh, Android tablet. And you can actually run Windows on the, on the base where the keyboard is and plug it into an external screen. Uh, and you can have the, the uh, Android side of things. And you can be running them both at the same time, easily swap information between the two. But it's sort of the... Uh, the, the best of both operating systems, Windows and Android, at the same time. Yeah, amazing. Who would have ever thought that that would have been a thing, but it is now. Uh, very quickly, before we get to a break, Apple's Vision Pro headset. Um, how's it going in the market? Sure. Well, look, we spoke about it briefly last week. They, you know, they gazumped a bit of um, uh, the marketing by announcing that it would be around on February the 2nd. Since then, if you go into a store, you'll get a 25-minute uh, you know, personalized tutorial so they can show you how it works. Uh, it's going to be, uh, the rumors are that the rest of the world will get it in the middle of this year. Uh, so we'll yet, we're yet to see, but already people are pre-ordering it. There's a lot of hype and excitement building around it. Uh, Apple already sort of had some videos that showcase the Disney theater. So we're going to hear more about it, but February 2nd will be this great. Uh, it'll be on all the news channels. You'll see people queuing up in stores to get it, and then hopefully the rest of the world gets it later this year, sooner rather than later. Yeah, okay. Stay there, Alex. Don't go anywhere. We're going to bring in uh, a third person into our panel to talk a little bit uh, more in depth about artificial intelligence, AI, which is all the groove and all the talk when it comes to technology, as you can tell from Alex's report already today. I'll bring in Natalia Ilushina from RMIT, who's an economist called Dr. Pink. We'll talk to her about the advantages of AI and whether the government needs to step in and regulate it or not. Natalia and Alex right after this, and you too can be part of this segment. If you've got a question based on AI, any question at all, you go for your life. You jump on our talkback lines from the United States or Canada on 1-888-201-6425, from the UK, 033-0024-1026, and from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. Go for your life. This is TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Democrats seem to only like inconvenient truths when those truths, such as climate change, are falsehoods. They don't seem to like the inconvenient truths that are actually true, such as Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King being a Reverend Doctor, not just Dr. King, as they like to call him. And the fact that Reverend Dr. King was a Republican, that's an inconvenient truth they, they never like to speak about. And also that he allowed his religious faith to inform his political action. They don't like the fact that he justified breaking unjust laws by relying on the scholarship of St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas, who taught us that we have no moral obligation to obey an unjust law. In fact, we have a moral obligation to disobey it. And that's what we need to do more. We need to disobey unjust laws, suffer whatever civil penalties might come, but win in the court of public opinion and eventually win at the courthouse. That's how Dr. King did it, and that's how more of us need to do it as well. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. She was reading at a second grade level in kindergarten. 
pod four swimming before she was seven. Finally convinced mom to get her ears pierced in the third grade. Came in second at her fifth grade spelling bee. Drill team in the seventh. And with one stroke of the keyboard. One click of the mouse. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Report a cyber tip today. This is the Christmas Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. You know, it's interesting. I look on the chat box and I've got someone like Pelly, who's a regular viewer, saying, I have no idea where to begin with all this AI technology. I'm feeling like a fossil. Well, you're not alone. You know, there's so much that has been said and reported on in reference to artificial intelligence, and it's difficult to know where to start. But I thought I'd request a little bit of help today. Dr. Natalia Ilushina is an advanced research fellow at the Blockchain Innovation Hub and ARC Centre of Excellence for Automated Decision Making and Society at RMIT University, which is a mouthful. And as part of her work, Natalia teaches others about the impacts of AI and she sees a great productive future ahead for AI and is not a supporter of regulation. They call her Dr. Pink. Dr. Pink, welcome back to TNT. Hello. Hi, Chris. How are you? <laughs> I'm very, very well. Alex Zaharoff-Royt is on the uh, the other channel as well, and he's with us today. Give us some examples, will you, of yeah. what AI can achieve for the world. Is it all that's cracked up to be? Yeah, it is absolutely a revolutionary technology. And um, the best thing about it is that it's uh, accessible and uh, very, it's it's cheap. It's very easy to get hold of it. And what's most important, what you mentioned just before about people saying they feel like a fossil fuel, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> using the AI, it's um, it actually represents something very important that many people don't even realize that they're using it. So this person who was mentioning that, uh, they're probably using it uh, unknowingly, which is great and it saves a lot of time and effort and um i can i can list lots of examples how how we're already using it or how i use it for my work if you would give like. us a couple of examples yeah so i i for for my research i do use it as a proofreading to save uh, funds on e editing or evidently that and that's what one of the first examples when it came out and one of the first concerns about the job loss is that the proof proofreading editors copywriting services mm. will be um impacted uh it also in in as an economist and uh part of my job is a lot of data analysis i can just throw um, a spreadsheet there and it just does all the data analysis instead of me working through it makes yeah, all the yeah problems. and it would save you how many hours to do that uh, i would say it, 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 i've I made a map of uh, countries that accepted the Bletchley, signed Bletchley Declaration, the 29 countries, in about one minute, which would normally take about a day of coding. Whoa. Yeah. One minute. <laughs> it, it, I just literally asked, I want a map, the colorful map highlighting the countries that that um, signed the, the, the declaration at the summit. And wow. it's done it. So you see AI as the key to increase productivity, which, of course, we don't encourage enough, do we? 
we absolutely don't and this is again the um, the results in the uh, lack of trust and resentment which is quite spread around australia and it it's it's the as i mentioned before because it's accessible and cheap and easy to install and access and you, it requires very basic digital skills to use it 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 can accelerate and especially benefit small businesses. So unlike, say, ERP system that requires a whole huge company consulting process to install it and communicate it to all levels of staff, a small business of one, two, three employees can easily engage in using AI and improve their productivity practically instantly. And in terms of access to AI, Alex, um, OpenAI's ChatGPT now has the AI equivalent of a GPT app store, right? They do, yes. I'm just looking at the uh, at it right now. You have to pay the $20 US per month to get access to, to their uh, additional services. But I'm looking here, consensus, your AI research assistant, search 200 million academic papers, AI PDF. This allows you to uh, talk to PDFs as though they're people. Uh, Grimoire, the coding wizard, Canva to make uh, any sort of presentations, logo, social media. Ask your PDF research assistant, logo creator, web pilot, designer GPT. There's even, even though it's banned by uh, OpenAI's uh, you know, rules and regulations, there's even a whole stack of AI girlfriends. Uh, things like Judy, I'm Judy, your beloved girlfriend, fluent in all languages. Your ex-girlfriend, Jessica, mean girlfriend, bossy girlfriend, Nadia, my girlfriend, virtual sweetheart. You know, so people, I mean, that movie, Her with Joaquin Phoenix, where he sort of falls in love with Scarlett Johansson, the, the agent inside of his computer, that's now actually possible. You can talk to your operating system uh, and certainly the Windows 12, you know, the next versions of Android. I mean, Apple themselves are going to be doing a huge play for AI and the ability to talk to your, you know, washing machine or talk to your fridge or talk to other devices in your home as though they are living, breathing people and they'll give you information. That's no longer science fiction. That's being worked on right now. And already you can do this with, uh, you know, Microsoft Copilot and uh, ChatGPT and others that are out there. Okay. So, Natalia, I keep hearing, though, from Europe, European governments, the EU in particular, uh, from the UK, from the United States and from the Australian government, how they need to put in a raft of regulation to protect us from AI. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, that's quite disappointing for me as a free market economist. Uh, I see uh, the improvement in productivity for Australia is the uh, the main driver of how small businesses and um will benefit and we will find get out of this cost of living crisis and that loop of uh, we're trying to uh, reduce the prices and that increases unemployment and vice versa. So the easiest way to solve the problem we have now economically is to improve productivity. And AI is the most straightforward way to do that. It it's a te Technology has always been the perfect solution to productivity. And this technology doesn't require um, or that doesn't require government investment at all. Uh, lots of businesses are already running and adopting it, and um, it's quite dangerous to stifle the growth and adoption of such a uh, blood life uh, an heir to the small business uh, technologies. However, however, what we fear most is that if AI gets into the wrong hands, it can you know, be evil writ large. Is that one of the dangers? 
Well, that's uh, anything can be used um, as, as a as a weapon in the wrong hands. Yeah. You and uh, well, you people put cats in the microwave. You know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Can happen anywhere at any <laughs> if, time. If there is, there should be a limit. There should be a common sense where we should stop that. What's what's um. What's the problem with the AI regulation inquiry in Australia? Well, a part of it being coming too late in the first place, there should have been some framework because it creates a lot of uncertainty on businesses whether they should adopt, because if they adopt AI today, tomorrow it's banned, all the investment is lost. But also what concerns me in the this paper that they released today is the list of stakeholders who contributed. I didn't see small businesses there at all. There are uh, uh, advocate uh, some some digital rights advocate groups. There so are a lot of bureaucrats. Yeah, and well, academia is. Uh, I've I have been part of a submission to the uh, responsible um, um, AI regulation inquiry myself as a part of that research center you mentioned that uh, has uh, multiple uh, names in it. <laughs> but but, but yeah, why so why wouldn't small business be a significant stakeholder in the way we deal with AI. They should have contributed. So they are the main beneficiaries. And um, as a flow and effect, we as an economy will be the main beneficiaries eventually from that adoption because of all the jobs, improved productivity, reduced prices, less need for immigrants for, for at the end of the day. But I've just been um, talking, I've just been at lunch with a small business owner just before this show. And he um, he said, no, I didn't ever had time to contribute to that. Yeah, they're aware that that was going on because they actually busy doing business. Yeah. Alex, are you seeing more positivity associated with AI than what we're than the than the vibe we're getting from government about being careful? Absolutely. I mean look, I, I, I was able to just create some images using one of the AI tools. And I mean, as a graphic designer would ha would have to take hours to do this or take a long time. You can just do things effortlessly within minutes. But we do have to be careful. Anthropic is a company that's received $4 billion from Amazon, $2 billion from Google, and Anthropic uh, has talked about deceptive AI. So AI can be programmed, and there needs to be some sort of guardrails, some sort of guidelines to make sure that the ethics are being looked after. But you know, gov the problem with government is they think they're the solution to everything. The, the, the business people are out there working hard to pay the taxes to keep the government people in business. And you know, the biggest purveyors of mis- and disinformation and, you know, the biggest uh, people who are against e-safety e is the e-safety commissioner and ACMA who are looking at all this mis disinformation stuff, which is, I mean, who are they to tell us who, who are living our lives in, in peace and harmony that uh, what we're doing is wrong? You know, what they say is, uh, you know, the the, uh, the God's honest truth. It's not. We've seen many times when governments have gotten it wildly wrong. And I certainly don't trust them to get it right on AI. I would trust the business person. Uh, who's you know living and breathing their, the 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 fruits of their products before I be believe some government people who are just giving edicts from upon high. So there's the, a lot of excitement out there. The CES was full of AI. AI was the theme of the show. And if you leave it in the hands of the people, I think we're going to start you know, muddle through quite happily. Yeah, you both agree with this, which is interesting. But the one negative, Natalia, is the fact that jobs will be lost as a result, right? No, I disagree. And one of my projects was about the impact on uh, jobs. And I've been uh, talking about that AI is not something to substitute a worker, but to complement. AI is a 
colleague. So it improves the worker productivity, enables them to put away more routine tasks and focus on what matters most for them and what what's more creative part of their job and get the job done quicker. It's actually shown to improve well-being and productivity. And now it's been more than a year. I still haven't heard of people running around losing their jobs because of AI. So I think the evidence is just there and I rest my case. That is a really interesting argument because if you are using AI to be more productive, they're creating projects, they're getting through projects, they're extending projects when the project may not have been capable of being extended which requires people to work on right and also there are jobs created because of ai the ai prompt engineers it's uh the or three three hundred thousand dollars salary for prompt engineers yeah yeah i've run out of time um you you have been very helpful in this discussion and put many of us on the track when it comes to artificial intelligence firstly uh, Natalia Ilushina, thank you very much for your time. We'll speak soon. Thank you. Thank you very much from RMI. It's an interesting discussion. Alex Zaharoff-Royt, great to talk to you today. And no doubt we'll talk about it further. Absolutely. Good night. Good on you, mate. Thank you.